It is good to see everybody this morning. So glad that everybody, hi Billy, so glad that everybody didn't forget about church because you've had a couple of weeks off and, and, and everything. But, but the more I talked to people, more it seemed like people were excited to, to be back and excited to be among the people and, and uh, to, to, to be back celebrating God and seeing what God is wanting to do with a life. And we started the series Superhero. We did actually start it last week, even though we didn't have church. I've recorded a podcast last week uh, with the first sermon called The Making of a Superhero and, and took a look at the ingredients that goes into a a superhero. And if you didn't uh, listen to that, I encourage you to go back and, and listen to that. Uh, uh, you can find that on our website or uh, if you've got uh, uh, an iPhone or something, if you've got a podcasting app, you can, uh, you can download that. You can download every uh, sermon via podcast uh, that way if you want to. But you can go to our website and find that. You can click on the superhero banner as it comes up on the home screen and click on that and go to uh, every sermon uh, of the series as they come out. But we started with the superhero series last week, and, and, the, and, and, and we're, we're, we're saying, as Jack said earlier, the, the tagline is, saved people save people. And this is an emphasis, an emphasis especially for those of you who are, who are Christian, that that is settled of energizing us and pumping us up and saying, you have a mission. You are designed by God to be a superhero for somebody. And the super spiritual might come back and go, well, God is the only one that saves. Well, yes, duh, that's true. But let's read the Bible. How does he do it? He does it through people with flesh on, right? He does it through people with flesh on. We're taking a look at the life of Moses and the characteristic of God that we're looking at is the characteristic that God redeems, that God saves people. But we're also looking at the fact that God made Moses a superhero. And as we concluded with chapter 2, uh, with kind of last week or the podcast, if we conclude with chapter 2, Moses is a fugitive from the law and a fugitive from his mission, running out into the desert of Midian, marries a woman, and starts working for his father-in-law. Guess maybe if you're fugitive, that's the best you got, right? Working for your father-in-law, that let him be your boss. And I don't. Maybe somebody's working for your father-in-law now, and it's a good deal. I don't know, but he's just out in the desert. And then from chapter two to chapter three, it's a span of forty years. So one thing about the Bible, when it, when it recounts history, it doesn't tell us, it doesn't give us timeline. That wasn't the purpose of history back then. But there's 40 years between, the chap, between chapter 2 and chapter 3, and Moses is living in obscurity, being a shepherd for his father-in-law, a fugitive from the law, and a fugitive from his mission. But we saw last week that, that he has the ingredients, the making of a superhero. But, just like a cake, if you mix all the ingredients in a bowl and you put it on the counter, what do you got? A bunch of ingredients mixed together in a bowl. You don't have a cake. You know, the, the, the um, FDA advises you not to eat that. It's a bad idea just to eat raw cake better, right? What does it take to make batter into cake. Baking it, right? It takes a catalyst. It takes heat. 
then you've got a cake, a delicious cake, as long as it's not chocolate, right? Amen. That's right. Gideon's with me. Gideon's with me. Same thing with the superhero. The making of a superhero, you've got all the ingredients there ready, and what do you need? You need a catalyst. And what is the catalyst for a superhero? It's a calling. But I really don't like the word calling. I really resisted the word calling when studying for this, for this sermon and, and looking over it. I'm like, what is, what, is, what, is, what is trying to communicate? What is God trying to communicate here? And, and the word calling came to mind. And I tried to resist it because I don't like that word. Because in church, what that word has come to be designated as, as one or two or three guys or gals that have a calling and everybody else sits and watches them live out their calling. The only thing wrong with that is the Bible. Read the Bible and you see that the call is for all. Read the Bible and you see that the call is for all. That's Facebookable, by the way. Twitterable, even. Under 140 characters, you can put it right on there. The call is for all. But what does the call look like? How do we get the call? How do we live that out? And with pun included, we're taking a look at Moses and the burning bush. Because the ingredients need a catalyst, right? It needs heat. It needs fire. And Moses' call came at the burning bush. Guy living in obscurity, running away from the law, running away from his mission, just living life. Maybe much like many of us. It's going to be in Exodus 3, and you can follow along in a Bible or on the on the app or uh, the Bible app or, or up here on the screen, but we're going to be in Exodus 3. And it says, one day Moses, and we, like I said, that from chapter 2 to chapter 3, it's, it's 40 years. Like just one day, 40 years later, Moses is tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush, Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush. Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you're standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. This story is hilarious, all right? Moses is tending his father's sheep up in a mountain in the middle of the desert. So burning bushes, or bush eye, or whatever you're supposed to say about that, burning bushes probably were not unique. It's hot. It's hot there. And so just to see a bush burning because it's so hot isn't going to be anything unusual. But as Moses passed by at once, it was burning. As Moses passed by it a second time, it was burning. As they passed by it again, it's still burning. And they're like, this is interesting. 
Supposed to be burned up by now. He passes by it again. It's still burning. And passes by it again. It's still burning. He's like, wow, this is really interesting. It should be burned up again. Usually I see this two, three times and it is, it's gone. It is dust. And, but now it's, keep, it's, continue, it's still burning. I must go investigate this. Call comes right where you are. You may want to write stuff down. We're going to cover a lot of ground today. You may want to go back and take a look at it. The call is for all, but God shows up right where you are, just like Moses. And if you look through the Bible at people, God shows up right where they are. Moses is a fugitive from the law. Moses is a fugitive from his mission, living a very ordinary life, living a life of living, working a job for his father-in-law, tending sheep, and just life goes on, and life is just fine, and I've got a wife, I've got a son, and everything's good and fine and peachy and dandy, and I've got food on the table, and everything's just good. But Mo, or God shows up right where Moses is and talks to him in such a way that he gets it. It's a burning bush. It wasn't anything unusual, so unusual, but how God spoke got his attention. This bush, bush didn't burn up. And then when he came up to it, the bush started talking to him. And I guess Moses was just caught up in the moment because Moses talked back to the bush that was talking to him. I mean, anybody think about that during Sunday school, you know, growing up? And most of you have probably been around church a lot. You know, like, push back to the teacher. Hey, why did Moses speak to the bush? I got another question. Not just why, you know, why are you speaking to me, bush? But, hey, bush, how do you know my name? Moses, Moses. Whoa, 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 hold on here. Bushes aren't supposed to talk, and you know my name. But Moses goes, here I am. He gets caught up in the moment. And the Lord reveals himself to him. And we see that, the, that God is intensely relational, but also intensely holy. Where he tells Moses, take off your sandals because you're standing on holy ground. And Moses covers his face because he realizes he's, he's in the midst of God. The great God, the awesome God, the amazing God. The God that is above all. And this is what I want everybody, and this is what God wants everybody to know, that he's intensely personal and intensely holy. And that's why we choose to hear and follow him. And maybe some of you are wondering that this morning. Why on earth would you hear and follow a God that you can't see? Newsflash, no burning bushes are here. Because he's great. And he's awesome, and he's above all, and he's the one that saves. That's why we hear and follow him. He's the one that created us. He's the one that knows what life abundant means and eternal life means. He's the one that we see that in. That's why we hear and follow him. And a call is all about us hearing and following him, but he shows up to us and shows us that he's intensely relational. And he wants to have a relationship with us where we hear and we follow him. And when God shows up, what does he want to tell us? 
What does he want to tell us? Because you've been prayed for this week. You've been prayed for this morning. That people this morning will have a burning bush experience with God this morning. So what does he want to say to us in the middle of the burning bush experience? Exodus 3, 7. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering, so I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. This is our memory verse for this, for this series. I encourage you to memorize uh, Exodus 3, 7, and 8, how comforting it is, and we'll get to that in a moment. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. Look! The cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused him. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. What does God want to say when he shows up in the burning bush? He wants to give us his vision. Now, maybe you've heard this before in Christian circles. and It's not horrible. It's not horrible, but I think it's misguided. That, 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 that you hear people say, dream a big dream for God and have a big vision for God and pray big prayers for God. Newsflash. Our visions stink compared to God's. If we show up to God's feet with the vision, the vision is all about us. God wants to show up and give us his vision. He wants to give us a vision. He wants to have a vision because where uh, in Proverbs or Psalms, I forget which, where God says where, where there is no vision, the people perish. He wants to give us a vision, but he wants to give us his. And it starts with the problem. There's a problem burning in God's heart. And with Moses, the problem burning in God's heart was that his people were in slavery. His people were being oppressed. His people were going through suffering. And that burdened God's heart. That burned in God's heart. And what does he say? I have come down. Isn't that interesting? That is intensely relational, right? Check out the words, I've heard, I've seen, I'm aware of, I've come down to do something about it. Sounds eerily familiar to something in the New Testament, right? Jesus, I've come down to do something about it. The problem. But you know what God wants to do with the problem that he has, not the problem that he has, but the problem that is burdening his heart? He wants to breathe that into your heart. There's some problem he wants to breathe into your heart. Not like I have problems, but like there is a problem in this world that I want to solve. There's a problem in this world that there has to be a solution to. There's a problem in this world. Maybe it's with modern slave trade, the sex trade. There's there's something happening in MSU. We've got a poster back there about it on the subject. And how it's affecting the Ozarks. Maybe it's with child abuse. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's with uh, business practices. I got some people with accounting backgrounds that, that, that the problem, the burden that you have is making sure that businesses account right. 
Maybe it's with health care. You just want to see people taken well care of. Maybe it's with education. And the burden that God laid on you is, is to see kids educated. Some of you, because you know how to, how to do this, some of us, because we know how to do this and produce kids, problem of bad parenting, wanting to be a good parent. See, the problem that God has burdened me with, on top of being a parent, the problem that God has burdened me with is stinky Christianity. A Christianity that doesn't look like Christianity. Of producing people who hear and follow God and, and closely related to that is people who, who don't know God's word but need to. Christians that don't know God's word and don't know the God of the Bible and don't know the Jesus of the Bible and so that they can hear and follow the God of the Bible and the Jesus of the Bible and, and be led into mission with God. That's what he's burdened my heart with. Of leading people past well beyond showing up on Sundays and voting for stuff. But to actually being on mission for God. What problem is he burning into your heart? What problem is that? Maybe we need to pray for God to burden our heart the way that his heart is burdened. But what does he also tell Moses? There's a promised land, right? There's a promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Not, there's not just a problem, but there's a promised land. The envisioned future. What's the promised land of the problem that God has burdened into your heart? Freedom for people. Great business practices. Great leadership. Great parent. What is the, what is the promised land of the problem? Because what good is a problem without a promised land? What good is a problem without the envisioned future? What good is it? And students, 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 students. College students, high school students, elementary students, middle school students. Your education is about God finding out the burden that God's put on your heart and the promised land that there is. Because, lastly, what did God give Moses? He gave him the solution. And what was the solution? You go. Not the car, but Moses, you go to the people and set them free. See, the solution is us. The solution that God has is us. I think this is hilarious too. God is like, I've come down to save the people. Moses, you go. Wait a minute, God. Wait, hold on a minute. Time out, God. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You said you were going to do the, uh, solve the problem, God. You said you were going to come down and solve it. What does this have anything to do with me? Because he's making, making superheroes with flesh on, right? And we are the solution to the problem. See, gone are the days, I hope, that people come up to either me or Phil or the elders or somebody else and say, there's a problem. You do something about it. I give everyone permission. If somebody comes up and says that to you, say, I want to do something about it. You're exactly right. How can I help you be the solution to that problem? 
Sounds like God's burdened your heart with something. How can I help you to be the solution to that problem? Because God has burdened you with that. And so he wants you to be the solution to that problem. He wants to set you on fire and burden you with that problem so that you can be the solution to that problem. And students, he wants you to be the solution to some problem. Not rant and rave and nag and and condemn people, but to be a real solution. To some problem. You know the difference between a job and a mission? A job's something you get paid for. A job's something that you do because that was the easiest way you can get money. A job is something that you do because that was the easiest thing that you could sign up in for school and get a degree. A job is something that you just get a paycheck for. A mission is something that you do because, some, because God has burdened you with it. The great thing about the generation below me is this, and compared to the generation above me is this. They don't want to settle for a paycheck. You don't want to settle for a paycheck. You want to get paid for a mission. And you know what? That is okay. God wants us to get paid for his mission. Because a job, you clock out after 40 hours in a week. A mission never leaves you. You're burdened with that all the time. So pick a college based on your, the burden that you have. Pick a, pick a, pick a, uh, 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 a um, what do you call it, major, based on the mission, the burden that you have. Adults, you're like, I've kind of made that bed. Well, how can you turn what you do for a paycheck into a mission? Is it just a change of perspective? When you wake up tomorrow, because you're not going to be snowed out of, out of work tomorrow, when you wake up tomorrow, thank God, when you wake up tomorrow, how can you wake up and go, this isn't a paycheck. This is a mission. Some of you are retired and facing, or not facing, or coming up on retirement and You know what? Retirement isn't a biblical concept. You know what retirement is in the Bible? You know what retirement is? Death. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Good, good, good. You're dead. That's retirement. Eternal retirement. Awesome. You never have to worry about your 401k in heaven. All right? It's taken care of. What better time to actually go on mission? Now you have time, right? But you know another difference between a job and a mission? A job is something you can handle. A mission causes insecurity because you can't handle it, and I can't handle it. It's the same thing with Moses, right? Most of us, we've been around church long enough to know the story, right? Moses had severe insecurities 
And I think they mirror all of our insecurities as well. Exodus 3.11. But Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Look, God, if you haven't been paying attention, the Egyptians want to kill me. The Israelites rejected me. I've lived for 40 years in obscurity. I have no resume. Who am I to do this? Catch God's answer. God answered, I will be with you underlying, God's like, I know, you're nobody. I'll be with you. The first thing God wants us to know in the call is that His presence will be with us. He will give His presence. This is what salvation is all about. Is that not about getting to heaven and one day being with God. Salvation is about God saying, I'm with you right now. God is telling Moses, I'm with you. I'm with you. And this is hilarious too. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. <laughs> when you've brought the people out of Egypt, and Moses is like, hold on a minute. Nobody's saying I'm going. And God's like, when you bring them out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. Now a sign is supposed to be proof. And here we're talking about proof that God is with Moses. And God says, the proof that I am with you is that when you've done all of this, you'll worship me at this mountain. Like Moses is like, can we get a sign before then? <laughs> Please? Like, it'd be like me telling you, like, this week I want you to go do this thing. And the proof of the fact that you're going to be able to do this is that next week you're going to come back here and tell me about it. And you're like, wait, hold on a minute, what? Makes no, makes no sense. Here's what God wants you to know, that God will be with you. Because all of us should say, when we're faced with our mission, we all should say, who am I, Lord? Who am I, Lord? God's saying, I'll be with you. But, you know those people that are present with you but not engaged? Like, Facebook's more important than having coffee with you, and the text is more important, and, and the phone call's more important than, than being with you. And I try hard when I'm meeting with people. Like, Nicole can interrupt me in a meeting. But little else. So I want to be present, but more than that. And so the, Moses' next question is dealing with that. Moses protested. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? See, there were many gods in, in, in Egypt. And so they all had a name. And starting with Pharaoh, Pharaoh thought himself was a god, and the people thought he was a god. So what name, then what should I tell them? What name should I tell them of the God who sent me? Mo then God replied to Moses, I am who I am. And maybe you're like, did God just dodge the question? You know, is God just a good politician and, and answered his own question or Bill Belichick and answer his own question instead of the question that was actually asked? Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God has also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. Yahweh, which means I am, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Abraham the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. In one word, Yahweh, in one word, in one name, God gave Moses one of the deepest theological uh, 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 thoughts ever. I am. I am that I am. And some of you may be like, what on earth is he talking about? 
Maybe you've been in church, you heard that forever, and you're going, what on earth does that mean? Because that is weird. Okay, if you come up to me, and, and you ask me, who are you? And I just said, I am. You would stand there and go, and you'd lean in, right? You'd be like, exactly, right? There's no period there. Come on. You would expect, I'm a pastor, I'm a referee, I'm a dad, I'm a husband. You'd expect a direct object, you English majors, right? You're impressed, aren't you? Yeah? Huh? You would expect a direct object. But, here's what God's saying. I am, you fill in the blank. You're going to need a whole bunch of stuff when you go on your mission. I'll be with you, but more than that, I'll be engaged with you. You're going to need a whole lot of stuff, and I will be whatever you need. You need strength? I am your strong tower. You need provision? I am Jehovah Jireh. You need, you need power? I'm the Lord of the heavenly armies. You get to fill in the blank of the direct object because my characteristics are limitless and whenever you need something, I will be whatever you need. I will be with you, but more than that, I will be engaged with you and what is going on and everything that you need. And if you have any questions about that, and if you're ever wondering about that, just think back to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And remember that I was with them. Stories that you've always heard, the stories that you know, I was with them and I will be with you. Everything that they needed, I was there for them. And just remember that. God isn't just going to be present with us. He is going to be engaged and give us everything that we need to get through. Now, sometimes we've got to adjust our mindset and what we think we need to what God knows we need. Especially here in America, because we think we need a whole lot more than what we actually do need. But, He will be there and be engaged. Moses had more questions. But Moses protested again. What if they don't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Moses is now running the scenario through his mind, showing up to the Israelites, showing up to Pharaoh and going, Hey, <clears throat> I'm Moses. You may remember me. Um, funny thing happened to me the other day. Uh, I was tending sheep in the desert and uh, burning bush was, was there. And I walked up to the burning bush and the burning bush talked to me and it was God. And, and God said to come and free you or God said to come to you and ask for his people's freedom. And so, hey, what do you say? Uh, can, we, can we go? Moses is playing this out in his mind, the scenario out in his mind, and he's not liking the, the end result of the craziness that people would think that he would have. And so he's going, <clears throat> God, um, I'm really having a hard time seeing that people are going to believe me when I say this. So, so what happens when they don't believe me? The Lord asked him, what's that in your hand? Shepherd's staff. 
as if God needed to ask. But Moses replied, throw it down on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw, this down, threw down the staff and it turned into a snake. And Moses jumped back. So would most of us, right? But as I was reading for this, uh, actually somebody said it, it might actually be better translated that snake was actually crocodile. At that point in time, I'd be like, out. And if that didn't do it, this would. Then the Lord told him, reach out and grab his tail. Hey, God couldn't be good talking with you, but <clears throat> I'm gone. Moses caught up in the moment. He reached out and grabbed it and turned it back into the shepherd's staff in his hand. Perform this sign. Then they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, God of Abraham, Isaac, God of Jacob, really has appeared to you. Then he went into the whole you know, leprous thing, reach in, in the hand turned to leper and reach in and it doesn't and then pour out water and it turned to blood. He gave him three specific signs. You know, Here's what God is telling Moses. He's, he's saying, you, do, you don't need to tell them that I appeared to you. You don't need to tell them. I am going to give you signs. I am going to give you gifts in order for you to, to, to do, to prove, to show them that I was with you. So you don't have to show up and go, I've been with God and this is what God says. We haven't heard that one before today, have we? God says, I'm going to give you signs. I'm going to give you gifts in order for you to perform those. And then people will realize that you have been with God. None of us need to get on our high horse and tell people we've been with God. Our life will prove it. Now, we do need to speak to people about who God is and the greatness of him. That's called evangelism, right? And that's what all we're talking about. It's not like this mystical thing that we're just going to show up to places and people are going to be like, oh, tell me about God. No, we're going to have to talk to them about God. But our lives should be lived in such a way that people don't have to question whether God is with us or not. He has given us all signs. He's given us all gifts. Gifts for us to do. Just normal things for us to do. For people to go, whoa, God is with you. God is with you. God is with you. We don't have to brag to people about how we've been with God. Being with God and hearing and following will allow people to see that he's spoken to us. So we don't have to go down to downtown Springfield and get an amplifier and tell people, I've been with God. That's arrogance. We show up, serve with our gifts and our signs, and people will realize We've been with God. Moses continues. Moses pleaded with the Lord. Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been. And I'm not now, even though you have spoken to me. I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Kind of historically, we kind of see that as, as Moses had a, had, a, had, a, had, a, had a stuttering problem. But somebody a few years ago kind of pointed something out that made perfect sense to me. Maybe Moses was like, hey, God, I haven't spoken Egyptian in 40 years. 
And on top of that, I really wasn't good with Egyptian. I really wasn't good with public speaking to begin with. And so I don't know if I can show up in front of Pharaoh and he can even understand what I'm trying to say to him. I mean, you know, what if I show up and, and I say something embarrassing because of the inflection of the accent of what I say? And like, instead of let my people go, it's like, can I have some ice cream? And that just wouldn't be good. Mo, uh, God said to Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak, people speak or do not speak? Hear or do not hear? See or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as I speak as you speak, and I will instruct you what, what to say. Here's what God is saying. I will give you the power. Moses is saying, I'm not good enough. God's saying, I will give you the power for what you need for the task at hand. He'll give us power. He'll give us the power that we need. God is basically saying, I know you're not good enough. I will give you that power. The first two are dealing with relationship. The last two are dealing with power. The last two are dealing with gifts and power and what we do. But we've got to seek the relationship and the power comes out of the relationship that we have with God. God wants to secure our insecurities. Because he knows the mission is above us. He wants to secure our insecurities. And Moses had one more thing for God, right? <laughs> Go send someone else. Send someone else, God. Then it says that the Lord angered at Moses. This is the only time that God got angry at Moses. And God said, <laughs> essentially, no, you're going, but I'll give you Aaron, your brother, who can't speak. We need others. To complete our calling. And others need us to complete theirs. This is what we call a church. That I need you to complete my calling. And you need me to complete your calling. And that's what a church is. A bunch of people. Living on mission together. Saying I need you to complete my calling. And, 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 and you need me. To complete yours. We need others. The call is personal, it's to us, and it's unique to us, but it can't happen without others. It can't. And so maybe you're saying, okay, okay, I see it, I see it, I see it, I see it. So how, how do I start? How do I go about this? How do, where do I go from here? Moses went to his father-in-law Jethro and said, hey, God showed up to me and told me to go and save the people. And can I, can I go? Jethro was like, yes, please do. Small step. Then, in the whole story, there's this weird interlude about circumcision. And one night, the angel of the Lord shows up and is going to kill Moses. And... Um, Moses' wife circumcises their son and throws the foreskin at the feet of Moses and said, you're a bridegroom of blood to me. And then the story just keeps going. And it's one of those, quite honestly, stories that, that me and God had a conversation over about, you know what, God, you know, the Bible would be a whole lot less confusing if you didn't include this. 
And the thing about the his history, when, when we see history from the Bible and the stories, is that there's no, very rarely is there commentary to the story. And I don't know if this is the full point or, or, or what, but in that moment where I'm like, God, do you really want me to preach on this? I heard yes, like great, thank you. And then I heard hear and follow in the small stuff. Circumcision to Moses was a small thing. Maybe not to his son, but to Moses it was a small thing. It wasn't important enough to do it. But it was a big thing. It was a detailed thing. So many times when people get a vision, and a vision from God, they chase after the big vision immediately. But the best way, well, another way to illustrate this besides circumcision is let's go baseball. You can't hit a home run or a grand slam with nobody on base. What does it take? Four ordinary singles, right? Then you can hit a grand slam. Hear and follow in the small things. Show up at things to learn about the issue, the problem. Get around people who are already solving the problem. Do the small things. Hear and follow in the small things. For us as a church, hear and follow in the small things are things like take up an offering to have money ready to get a building. Seek out opportunities. But also, 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 overextend what we already have. Invite, 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 invite in order for us to pack out this space so that we have to do something. Jesus said it this way, who is faithful in the small will then receive more. Let's be faithful in what we have and what we can do now. And as we hear and follow, he will continue to refine, to define what he wants. But what's the big deal? What if you do commit to this? What if you do to hear and commit to hear and follow? And, 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 maybe, and maybe you had a burning bush experience. Maybe for you it was 40 years ago. Maybe it was 40 days ago. Maybe it was sometime in the past. And either you didn't know what to do with it or you were just like, I, church is supposed to be me watching him and them and that, that sort of thing. And you didn't know what to do or didn't know. And there was nobody there to tell you what to do or help you what to do. Or you just flat out ignored it. What's the big deal? Exodus 4.29 Then Moses and Aaron returned to Egypt and called all the elders of Israel together. Aaron told them everything the Lord had told Moses. And Moses performed the miraculous signs as they watched. Then the people of Israel were convicted or believed or convinced or believed that the Lord had sent Moses and Aaron. When they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. What's the big deal? God wants to use you in your calling to lead people to belief. Belief in the Lord. People who never have believed before or people like the Israelites at this time that thought that God just paid no attention to them and they haven't seen God in many, many years and thought God wasn't concerned about them. God wants to use your calling to lead people to belief in Him. That's why. 
That's why these pray for three cards are so vital. Somewhere around you. Three people that God has burdened you with, that has burdened your heart. Because our calling, our mission, serves the big picture mission of bringing people into belief of God. And three people, in particular right now, God's laid on your heart to pray for, to pray for daily. God, show up to them. Do something in their life. And use me to do it. And this week, let me challenge us all with this. Because guess what? Evangelism is weak, weak, weak for me. I need this just as much as anybody else. Let's challenge, small steps, right? Small, let's challenge ourselves with this. Not just pray for them, but put yourself in a situation where you can ask them one simple question. How can I pray for you? Remember, we're looking for signs, right? Signs to, to, to let them know that God is with them and let them know that, that God is there and concerned for them. Here's what I've prayed for every one of us. Here's what I've prayed. That God, through specifically praying for their prayer request, will do something in their life that snaps something and they want to know about God. That's what I've prayed and that's what I will continue to pray. That as we engage people and we ask them what they, want to, uh, what they need to be prayed for and, and, and then we start praying for them. Remember, be good to your And we start praying for them. They, there's, something, there's something that happens that they're going, wait a minute here. Maybe God is concerned with me. My three, John, Brad, and Dustin. Who are your three? Who are your three that God wants you to be concerned about? And God wants you to have the same burden that he has for their life. Because eternity is at stake for them, right? And maybe you're here this morning and some of the, a lot of this mission stuff, maybe it rings home, but maybe it doesn't because you're just like, you know, what about this God that's concerned? I thought God was just interested in lightning bolts and things like that. But what about this God that's concerned? What about this God that hears? What about this God that sees? What we want you to come to belief in this God and hear and follow this God because He is. Whatever you need, He is. But maybe for some of you, that's been settled. But like I said earlier, you struggled with this whole call concept. Maybe years ago you did this. Maybe, maybe right now you're wrestling with it. And you're saying, or you're wanting to say the same thing Moses said. God, sin, someone else. Sin, someone else. It is vital we wrestle with this because other people's eternity are at stake. And you living an ordinary life or a life on mission is at stake because God is making each one of us into a superhero. Yes, he's the one that saves. 
but we are the people with flesh on. God is sending us to others in order to reveal who he is. So we've got to wrestle with this. And at the end of the day, we've got to just simply hear and follow. Because he wants to lead people to believe through our life. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. And go into a time of prayer and go into a time of reflection. I want to know. We want this to be a safe people to be around. We want this to be a place where we can be honest about our struggles. And um, this is one thing that we're going to change into the new, to the new year. But we want to give you an opportunity to be honest with me and with us. And, and, and I'm going to be looking, but, and, 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 and Shelley and, and maybe the staff, but so that we know how to pray for you. But who would say this morning, just raise your hand, who would say this morning, I am wrestling with telling God, send somebody else? Or I've wrestled with this in the past. Or I'm wrestling with my call. Somebody say, yeah, I would like you to pray for me. Raise your hand, signify, pray for me because I am wrestling with this. We're going to be in the back of the room and you can come up and to us and say, Man, I'm, I'm, can you pray for me? I'm wrestling with this and this is what's going on and this is what he's speaking to me, but I'm really wrestling. We want this to be a safe people. Dearly Father, Lord, I pray, burden our heart with who and what you are burdened with. Burden our heart with this. Burn it deep into us. For people that this is new to, lead them. People that are wrestling, let them submit. But eternity is on the balance the people we are around. So lead us. Lead us. Lead us. Let people have their burning bush moment this morning. It's your name that I pray. Amen. Go ahead and stand with us.